Welcome back to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM920 The Answer. I appreciate with you sticking up stick I appreciate you sticking with us through the break. This segment, we're going to talk all about real estate investors, how you deal with real estate investors from the real estate agent's perspective and real estate investing in general. Don't forget that if you want to connect with us, it is so easy. Just go to gogaddisradio.com. That's G O G-A-D-D-I-S, radio.com. You can ask questions that we answer on air or off air. You can make comments if you want to, good or bad. You can push back or challenge any of the things that we say. You can share your ideas with us. You can request your neighborhood be featured in our neighborhood spotlight. And you can also subscribe to our podcast. We're available on every major podcasting platform. Without further ado, I want to introduce a very, very special guest, Vicki Hogan, who is a realtor and a team member on the Modern Traditions Realty Group team at Remax Center. So, Vicki, you and I are teammates. That's right. And I appreciate you being here. If you don't mind, I'd love to ask you just a few questions as we get started. And these are for people who are listening who may be thinking, I might like to get into real estate myself. How long have you been in the business? Well, I've started with new construction and I sold new construction for about 20 years. And then I joined. I joined Remax Center in 2008. Okay. So I've been with Remax Center, the same office that you're in, since yes. 2008. Wow. And of course, 2008 was a really good time to get into general real estate because the market crashed. It was a terrible time. <laughs> so you've been in real estate for 35 years, mm-hmm. which is amazing because just a few days ago, you told me you were 39. So that is amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> so 20 years in new construction. Gosh, you could probably write a book about your new construction stuff. If you had to, as a real estate agent, give a buyer and a buyer's agent some advice when it comes to buying a new construction home based on your experience in the past, what would the advice be? I would say um, let the on-site agent lead you around and gather as much information from that on-site agent. They're the experts of of the community, of their product. Yep. Um, They're not all, you know, great but for the most part they you know they're going to answer honestly um and that would be my advice yeah i love that and did you ever have any agents who came in with buyers and they just had to show that they were worth something and they made the entire process more difficult and what is so interesting i'm going to use the word manipulate and that's a very strong word and i don't mean that in a negative way but if you're a subdivision agent and i come in and i start trying to bully you and push you around that's not how i'm going to get you to do what my client you know, need you to do. If I am cooperative and friendly and open and honest about what we need to do, there's a lot better chances that you will dig in there and try to help us out. We've got a situation now with a new construction buyer and they are, um, there's some discrepancies in the amount of allowance that the builder could give. And, you know, because we have such a good relationship with the builder's agent, the buyer is going to wind up getting every dime that the buyer was entitled to. And this subdivision agent is figuring out how to do it herself. So anyway, 35 years in the business, what are the biggest changes you've seen in real estate in the time you've been in it? I know when I first started, we were still using fax machines to send offers around, but you had to drive them over and get them signed at one point, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's yeah, it's from the technology to the market shifts. I've been through a lot of market shifts. It seemed like the markets used to shift only about once every five or six years, you know, in one way or another. Yeah. It's now they like turn around, you know, in six (laughs) months. So it's just like 
always being on top of, of your market, your area, what's going on so that you can get prepared. Yeah. And if you, and this is, I don't want you to talk negatively about your fellow real estate practitioners, but if you had to guess out of, uh, of 10 real estate agents, how many of them are really truly up to date on market statistics? What do you think that number oh. would be? A, a couple, two, uh, yeah, three. two, three. That's kind of what I'm thinking. And it sounds terrible mm -hmm. because I love all of my fellow real estate agents, but, but in many cases, the barrier of entry is so low that like anybody can get into it. And it doesn't mean they actually have the desire to bring a good service to the table. So my question for you next is you could certainly be a real estate agent on your own. You choose to be on our team. Why is it that you decided to join a team? Being with my new construction background, I always had collaboration with oh, yeah. other agents and managers, and I really missed that. So joining the team, I was able to be a part of something, collaborate with my co my teammates, um, and just toss things around when when I need to. And and the office support, honestly, is just to have the office support too. Sometimes in real estate, just to have somebody help you with the paperwork, <laughs> that's the big, that's no, the biggest deal in the world. You get so many deals flowing through the system, and you can't keep up with anything. And we need somebody to help us with those details. Yeah, and you want your paperwork to be good. Yeah. And so yeah, so by getting some help with the paperwork and and the um, office. Um, duties helps a lot. Yeah, that's so good. It allows me to be more productive, I feel like. Absolutely. Now, you know a lot about the investor world, and you work more specifically uh, with investors who are disposing of properties, with real estate investors, national real estate investors who are actually selling properties that they own in the metro Atlanta market. And I just have a question for you about real estate investing in general. Um, if I were a consumer, an uneducated or an unaware consumer, I would assume there's no investment, those property, there's no properties out there today that I could buy that I could turn into good investment properties and make money. Would that be true or would I be mistaken? I'd say you're, there's not a lot, but there are some. Yeah. Um, I also, I, um, also deal with investors whenever I get, um, investment houses to sell. I have, I have investors that I reach out to that think it might, you know, if I think it's going to be a good buy scenario for them, yeah. something they could, you know, there's a little bit of meat on the bone for them to, you know, get in there and do whatever rehab and, you know, rent it or sell it. So the answer is for somebody who's willing to get out and be aggressive and look, there are steel deals out there. You're probably not going to sit there and just let it fall in your lap. Would that be safe to say? Yeah, I would say that. And it's amazing how many um, calls I get for people want to know if, if we have off market properties and, you know, they're even recorded calls where they, you know, they a recording gets you on the phone and then they ask you if you have properties to sell and, so there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, that are scrounging around looking for good deals. Yeah. And what's interesting is if you are thinking of becoming a real estate investor, you know, what you're looking for is a property that is owned by someone who is in some sort of level of distress. Because the reality is there's a lot of, forget the institutional owners, there's a lot of just individual mom and pop, just everyday people like me and you, and they decide one day, I don't want to own this house. And, you know, we think, well, they would probably only sell it for market value, but that's not necessarily the case. In some cases, they just want their money and want to be gone, and it's the closing date that's convenient or being able to leave all the crap or whatever. So, Vicki, if somebody wanted to reach you just to have a conversation with you about what, what it may look like to, uh, you know, be a real estate investor or to get on at least the list of, of people that you might notify when you have investor properties coming on the market as they come on the market. How would they reach you? Um, my cell my, is my direct line. That's 
888-646-6455. Perfect. And if you don't remember that, just go to Go Gaddis Radio, click on uh, contact us and say, hey, hook me up with that investor lady and we will get you immediately to Vicki Hogan and she would do a great job taking care of you. In addition to selling investment properties, or, or in many cases, the properties you sell probably aren't investment properties when they get bought because somebody probably buys it and lives in it would be my guess. But in addition to selling properties for institutional investors, you are also a real estate investor yourself, if I remember correctly. Is that true? I am. Yes, I am. And how have you found your experience as a real estate investor? And I'm saying on a scale of one to 10, 10 being it's perfect, never a problem, no worries, no nothing. You know, uh, one being, oh my gosh, I wish I'd never seen my first investment house. Where are you in terms of, of your kind of rating of being a, a, a landlord? I'd say I'm about a seven. Okay. <clears throat> okay. And I, no, go I, please. I initially had seven properties and now I'm down to four. Okay. And so in my tenants, I've had long-term tenants, which is nice. And, um, but I've learned a lot. <laughs> I'll bet you have. What would you say would be the negative that makes it a seven instead of a 10? And is that just dealing with the tenants and handling the problems mm -hmm. that come up? And that's just kind of the nature of the beast, but I would assume you were managing them yourself, right? So yes, you were taking care of that. Yes. Um, and the biggest problem with people not taking care of your property like they should. Yeah and or not paying on time you know like they should um i had an experience i don't know five years ago that it was a sad story tried to work with them and they just lived in filth and by the time i got the property back it was rat infested i mean it was so, and and I yeah. hate to say it, but sometimes when they, what well, the, sometimes the more stories you get told, the uh, the more you probably need a new tenant. And anybody who's listening who's ever been in any level of financial distress, I'm not talking about you. There are certainly people who are honestly in a bad spot. But oh, yeah. if the story gets too long, it's probably because it's not true. We've got about two minutes left in the segment, and I know that occasionally you sell homes that are significantly damaged. In fact, I saw one not too long ago that was burned. Mm -hmm. B u r. I mean, it was was burned really, really mm -hmm. badly. And and so um, how does that work when you're selling like a, a property that's been burned or totally damaged? Interestingly enough, the investors go crazy over the our burned houses and our flooded houses because most of what I'm selling are previous rentals. Yeah. Where, you know, they um, sometimes tenants will be mad yeah. if they and they'll turn the water on upstairs oh, no. and flood the house whenever they lock the door and leave. And nobody knows about it for, you know, a couple of days or weeks or, you know, whatever. I didn't even think um, about that. How disgusting mm -hmm. for those. And and I, I don't know. Do you think maybe a tenant ever set fire to a home? I mean. I don't think okay, so. Okay, 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 okay. When I look at the photos, it looks like it comes from like a the kitchen, maybe a kitchen fire or the garage. Yep. Um, you know, something like that. Got it. Good. Well, I'd they shouldn't be, that. they should. I remember yeah. during the 2008 to 2012, people getting evicted would get mad and pour sacrete down the drains of the toilets. It, it was some bad stuff. We probably shouldn't talk about these things. We might be giving some tenants some ideas. <laughs> I think we got to be careful. Uh, so it's so interesting when a property is damaged, uh, or it seems like it might not be desirable to people. It sounds to me like everybody's coming out of the woodwork and trying to get those. It's amazing. Wow. I mean, it's really mind-boggling um, how they just gravitate there for those types of properties. Absolutely. Vicki, will you come back and visit with us again sometime soon? Anytime. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, our 1031 exchange is a good idea when selling investment properties and 
What are some steps you need to take when buying in an unfamiliar neighborhood? And we'll finish up with how can you make sure that you have good neighbors? Stick with us. We'll be back.